The appropriate theme for this week is rivals and retro. I say rivals because if you can't tell, you got a Pats fan, you got a Bills fan, you got a Pats podcaster, a Bills podcaster, and I got retro because guess what? The retro is back. Pat Patriot is back tomorrow night. Joe Miller the third is back for the first time since April. It's been a while. Mm. This is episode number 196 of YWC Football Talk. The golden voice of Buffalo. How are we doing the night before the game? The golden voice of Buffalo. Wow, I like that. I'm uh, I'm doing good. So I've got a football team that uh, I full well expected to come in and wax the entire NFL throughout the entire season. And I very much believe that every other fan of every other team, save maybe the Chiefs, probably expected the same team that adding Von Miller would put them over the top. And meanwhile, we have been struggling since halftime of the Packers game. So I'm a little apprehensive. We'll see what happens. Weird thing too. And from a not gambling perspective, I looked this up today is that you guys have not covered since week six either for a spread spread wise. I was looking at that today. Cause I was just like, hmm, I wonder when the last time they were covered. Cause I got in arguments with people about like, Oh, are the Patriots right. going to cover the bill's going to cover what's going to happen. Right. And I looked at it and the Packers game was a big spread, but when it comes down to this game here, I think Vaughn Von Miller is going to be missed. We'll get into that in a minute. But the one question I want to ask you, because I saw this last night. Um, I forget who it was, but someone on Twitter, I think her name was Ashley, was giving a love letter to, to Alyssa. one. Alyssa. Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa was giving a love letter to OBJ. Yes. And I want to ask your thoughts, not on him, but – is him coming to Buffalo, would that be the true missing piece for this organization? So I was um, not all out on OBJ coming to Buffalo at the beginning of the season, but I was out on it. And the reason was, is I felt like before the final roster was set, I felt like the bills were good. I was like, we've got the horses that we need to get us to where we need to go. Um and then they set the final roster, and we basically set the final roster with four or five slot receivers, right? Cole Beasley's gone, so now we've got Jamison Crowder. We've got Isaiah McKenzie. We've got Khalil Shakir. Like, we've got all these guys in the slot. Um, and we had Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis on the boundary, and one backup boundary receiver in Jake Kumaro, who's a special teamer. And I was like, okay, that's strange. Uh, that's that's quite the in, in my opinion it was a lot of hubris involved in that like oh we don't need boundary receivers like we're good and uh they put isaiah hodgins on the practice squad kumaro gets hurt they bring hodgins up hodgins plays he does okay and then they move hodgins back down he gets scooped up by the giants and then kumaro gets hurt again and it's like okay and i'm going somewhere with all of this and it's like okay so as the season is progressing we're struggling at the boundary, not with Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is dropping balls. He's not open. They can't figure out the slot. Like, none of those guys can get open. Jamison Crowder's out for the season. And it turns into a situation of this team really misses Cole Beasley. Um, there's something to be said for the way a quarterback. So for those that don't necessarily get into the science of NFL football, Football is the only sport where the, the the next every level that you go up, the harder the game gets. Baseball at high school is baseball in college, is baseball in, in the pros. It's just it's more about how big are the athletes, how hard do they throw, how far do they hit. Football, the science gets deeper. It gets harder and harder to play. Uh, the precision of it, all that kind of stuff to read, react, crap. Um, and when, when a wide receiver goes to the offensive line or goes to the line of scrimmage, rather a play has been called. However, they get to choose based on what they see the defense is showing them. And the magical part about good offenses is you've got good offenses and bad offenses, or you've got good offenses and offenses that are, you know, what we'll call, uh, helped along or handicapped a little bit. So this is your read quarterback. You're going to throw it there. So regardless, I've called the play. This is where you're throwing it. Good offenses, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, like like the, Pat Mahomes. This is the play. However, depending on what the defense gives you, you're going to run this route, and the quarterback is going to basically be on the same page as you and throw you the ball where you're going to be open. So Cole Beasley, I'm going. I know the question was about OBJ. Cole Beasley had this gift 
for just being on the same page with Josh Allen. When Cole Beasley came to the line, play was called, he knew where that soft spot was going to be. And Josh read it exactly the same way. Stephon Diggs, when he walks to the line, play is called, knows exactly where he's going. Josh is reading it exactly the same way. I was out on OBJ early because I felt like the Bills had what they needed. Then they set the roster, had some injuries, lost Isaiah Hodgins. And now I'm in a situation of being all in on OBJ because I feel like OBJ is another one of those savvy veteran players that when he gets to the line of scrimmage is going to be thinking like our quarterback. The biggest problem the Bills have on offense right now is the receivers can't get open. And the reason that the receivers can't get open is because they're not reading the defense the way that they're supposed to be reading the defense. And if you remember, which I know you do because you're a Pats fan and you're a big football fan, the Bills have been, what's the word, prolific at having wide open wide receivers just running all over the football field and Josh Allen hitting them wide open. And that has not been happening in the last four or five games. Yeah, like as you look at an example, like the one game I went to this year with the Pats, I was in the stadium, and what were they showing during the the commercial break as they do in NFL games, as you know, highlights from around the league. One of the highlights I saw – that just happened to be the Gabe Davis sickle mode game where he right. had three catches for like, I think it was like 100, 140 yards. Crazy Steelers game. Yep. Yeah. The Steelers game 38 to three, I think was the score. Um, when I look at that with that team, I'm like, okay, yeah, those guys, they can go out there. They can get open. They can do their thing. When I, when I look at the OBJ perspective, I just think look ahead for 23. I don't think, cause when you come in now, when I look at a team like Buffalo, I think, yeah, he could add to it. It's great. But when I look at the comparisons of would him signing be a missing piece or would Von Miller, whenever he comes back, that would be the true missing piece. Because as everyone calls him the closer, he's been there. He's done that. For sure. Meanwhile, with OBJ, you know, the first little bit of coming off of a torn ACL is we've seen it with players before where it takes them a year. Like I take Brady, for example, 2009, his season wasn't exactly great. 2010, what does he do? He set the world on fire. So. Excuse me. Um, so when I look at that, that's how that's how I look at it. I think this team, you know what they? I always said this about Buffalo. I think everyone expected you guys, like you, even YouTube, just you know, what run through the regular season. January comes is when we matter. I've been saying this for the last few years. You need that level of parity or those bumps in the road to truly mm. find yourself, to truly find the gas pedal. I agree. Now, with that being said. Do I want you to find it tomorrow night? No. You can find it against Mike White or Zach Wilson next week. Whoever, whoever, whoever's starting right. for the Jets next right. uh, next uh, week or right. when Miami comes to town. But yeah. if it happens tomorrow night, it happens tomorrow night, and it's just it is what it is. I think the I think the issue the the, the problem with with what you're saying as far as bumps in the road. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen will carve up a man defense, which the Patriots know full well. Bill Belichick is a man defense guy. That's what he wants to play. And Josh Allen decimates it. And he has over the last couple of years, right? That's what he has done. The issue at hand is because there is no threat underneath in that three to five yard range in Cole Beasley, every team that we're playing is playing a too high safety look, a Tampa two look. And it's just, it's causing the receivers to not be able to find the spaces that they need to find. And it's just, so, so OBJ coming in now, just the threat in my opinion of OBJ being in that slot or digs, if they swap them in and out, which they probably would do. And knowing that I got to worry about that guy, that guy that's going to like catch the ball for five yards and be basically, you know, cut first or second down into half. Right. Right. So second and five, it's going to drop them into a single high safety look, which is going to open the entire field up for Josh which is a big part of the problem that they've been. I mean, for God's sakes, the freaking, I mean, p- people have won Super Bowls by basically just going to a Tampa two and shutting teams down. Right. So, I mean, that's effectively what happened with the Dungy years and, and other stuff like that. So, but yeah, sorry. So Didn't mean effectively, to... effectively with the Buccaneers did two years ago as well. Right. to make that argument. Right. Um, that's just, that was just the way I look at it for Buffalo. When I say bumps in the road, I always mean, you know what, in November, you see some teams kind of like, you know, you, you you fall you trip over your own feet. We yeah. saw we've seen it with LA. We saw it with Tampa. Yeah. Uh, hell, Kansas City in the year when they won, Mahomes had his injury woes. Um, yeah. That's just that's just my, that's just my thing when I look at it with Buffalo. I see I see a team. I see the potential is there. I just think that you know what, you let them get hot at the right time. Like say if December, like tomorrow's December. It's December in like less than two hours. Yep, yep. <laughs> 
they come out there tomorrow night and they absolutely stomp New England. It's going to be one of those things where, you know, next day they're back, Super Bowl bound, party on Delaware, party on Chippewa, call it what you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then if they lose, though, it's going to be that, you know, that whole, oh, are they for real? Are they there? Which, yeah. you know what, I know from experience isn't exactly the worst thing in the world to be doubted only because I'm not saying that anyone's doubting them, doubting them on the Super Bowl level. Because like, look at how people have been putting the Eagles on a pedestal and then mm. the real football people like you and me kind of can see, you know what, hey, the cracks are there. Sure. Meanwhile, with Buffalo, I look at it as cracks. Like, you know what, hey, they can have a couple of games where you trip over your own feet, but you know at the end of the day, even though they're second place right now, this team is going to be the team that's going to be there in January. You know how – there's your pretenders, and then your, there's your contenders. Because Buffalo's proven it the last three seasons that they're the team to beat. Yeah, and you would know. I mean, Patriots fans are going to know better than even Bills fans. I mean, you guys have been through those years where the Patriots came out. They're getting beaten by the, a bad Chiefs team, like before Patrick Mahomes, and it's like 0-3 or 1-2 or 1-3, and everyone's like, oh, the Pats are done. Bills Mafia is losing their minds because the Patriots are finally they're done, and then they go to the Super Bowl Right. I mean, that's effectively what we're talking about. And I'll be honest with you, that's not a comfortable position for Bills fans to be in. Like we're not used to like the bumps in the road, even in the Kelly years. Right. So in, in the early 90s, when this team was dominant, they rolled over teams. They literally and they would have a bad loss and then they would destroy the next team. They just they just obliterated teams back in the 90s until they got to the Super Bowl. That was the one game they couldn't win for one reason or another. The Bills were the winningest team in the 90s, right? Not the Cowboys, not the Steelers. The Bills won more games in the 90s than any other team, and they beat the they beat the NFC more than any other AFC team did, I think, by double. They always beat the NFC teams in the regular season. Then when that final game of the season came, they just couldn't push through it. So this is kind of a new space for us to be in. Um, I like it, and I don't like it. There's, there's, I don't know how you guys dealt with we have the best team in football. Because there's a, it, it almost makes the game less edge of your seat ish, right? So I started the season with like, mm, this team's really good, the Buffalo Bills. Like these guys are good; they're going to beat everybody. And then it's like, this is kind of boring because I'm just expecting them to wax everybody, and they were kind of early in the season. Even the Dolphins' loss, I mean, the Bills put up a crap. Josh Allen threw for 400 yards in that game. Yeah. They beat them on every level except the final score. It was crazy, and now that they're as you said, cracks. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm in, enjoying football again. It's like I don't know. Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. But maybe you can speak to that. I don't know. I'm gonna say I feel like where you're coming from. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of you know what you're anticipating because you know like when Buffalo back in the day when they'd have the three and zero start and then it just goes down a, 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 a hill. You go down the crapper. <laughs> you just you go off the Max Kellerman cliff that everyone's waiting Brady to go off of. Right. But the way I've always seen it is, hell, Patriots lost one of their worst games ever in the same year they won the Super Bowl, the Miracle of Miami. Yep. Um, that's just where I look at it, where it's like how Patriots – we've always been, where it's like, you know what, hey, it doesn't matter. Sure, there can be cracks. Sure, there can be X, Y, and Z. But we know at the end of the day, mid to January, we're going to be there. So that's the mm. thing that I think those fans have to keep reminding themselves of. You guys are going to be there unless for some reason there's a crazy upset, say wild card weekend, say divisional weekend again. Right. But then it's kind of like where you go back to square one. But trying along, I think this next three stretch, I think it really, because that's the thing with the Bills I'm more worried about with anything when it comes to cracks is the fact that you guys have not, that we're the two teams in the AFC East right now. One in, uh, actually, no, wait, we're two and one. Never mind. We're two and one. You're zero and two in division. We're the play. only one. <laughs> You're the only one to not be win a divisional game. That's right, the biggest right. crack that I'm worried about. But I think the next three weeks, you guys have the chance to right those wrongs, especially the two at home. It's the biggest surprise for the Buffalo Bills this year. People can talk about oh, Josh Allen getting injured and having a brace on his right arm, and as much as people don't know that because he's wearing a white long sleeve shirt, so they can't see the brace. You know that's not. They're eight and three. They're still beating people. They've, they've lost three games by a total of eight points over three games. So, and and the games that they've lost, they've hurt themselves a lot in those games. What's not getting talked about is you're talking about a team that swept the division two years ago, mm -hmm. lost one game in the division, I think, last year, 
And there was an expectation they'd sweep the division this year, and they're 0-2 right now. What's weird is the fact that all of our division games are at the end of the year. It's kind of strange how the schedule makers did that to us. But that literally is the story of this team right now, is that they're 0-2 in the division, to your point. That's that's where I look at it. Where Because what I said what I said this two weeks ago, that the Jets, for all the Jets fans out there saying, like, oh, hey, we're on our high horse. How you told me on Twitter that we needed them to settle down. I always said that, that, that Patriot-Jet game, Jets fans were trying to tell me that we needed to win more than they did. I always said, no, you need to win that game more than you think, because yeah. if you lose, it's the same narrative. What happened? The Jets fell apart. Sure, you beat the Bears, a team we lost to, but that was just a bad night from us. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but the way I look at it for the Bills is 0-2. You'll figure it out. You have the two games at home. I feel like those are the ones you take care of business. Tomorrow night, it's a wait and see what happens. And the one game with last year, I think it's a bit of anomaly too, because it's just the weird day where it's like two for three throwing 19 yards and it was low scoring. Right. Um, the one take I'm going to have with tomorrow night's game, and I want your um, opinion on this. I think we're going to see a similar game to the first game that the Patriots and Bills played after the Brady era in Buffalo. If you remember that game, well, the one where Cam Newton lost it on a fumble late in the game. I think oh, that was the, the Justin Zimmer game, right? Yeah, in Buffalo, Justin Zimmer knocked the ball out uh, yeah. as Cam Newton was basically marching his way to the end zone. Not that he was going to score on that play, but I was convinced we weren't stopping the Patriots. It's like, this is over. Like, we cannot. Yeah. It was ripping yards off chunk by chunk by chunk to go down and basically win the game. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's, I feel like, the mystique of 18 to 20 years of getting our asses handed to us in Foxborough is gone. I don't think yeah. that this team is afraid of being in Foxborough. Like I feel like for a lot of years, the bills were like, Oh my God, we're in Foxborough and Tom Brady's here and Bill Belichick. Like there was an aspect of like just walking in the building was like, Holy crap. Do you know where we're playing right now? And no matter what they did, they couldn't get out of their own way. Now, obviously, there was the the Drayton Florence game, which was the one game. Fitz was the quarterback. That was the the interception and yada yada yada. The Bills, the one win that the Bills had there. I feel like I don't I, I don't feel like there's a mystique there for Josh Allen and this team anymore. No. So I don't. The question is going to be is where is Josh's arm at, right? Yeah. And to be honest with you, going back to the wide receiver conversation, does John Brown play? Because to me the acquisition of John Brown isn't about wide receiver, wide receiver depth. It literally goes back to that familiarity piece. John Brown and Cole Beasley were the two guys that began the progression of Josh Allen as a quarterback. So if John Brown plays, which I think he will, I think he'll be active. You're talking about now having again, two receivers on this offense that see the offense and see the defense the way that Josh Allen does, which changes the game versus dudes just running out there and going out when they're supposed to go in. And you've seen it. Tom Brady for years and years and years would start with a fresh batch of wide receivers. And they were going out when they were supposed to go in, going in when they were supposed to go out. And he's losing his mind and everything else. And that's literally what's been happening. The difference is, is Josh has just been going, yeah, I've been playing like crap. And the reality is, is it hasn't really all been Josh. He's just, basically taking the brunt of the blame so this game for me it'll be interesting to see i don't i don't see it going necessarily ground and pound on both sides of the football i mean cam newton's not coming through that door and mac jones oh, I, meant, I meant score wise i meant score wise i can see oh, a low scoring no. a low scoring game uh, yeah I, even even with the woes that the bills are going through and this is the thing that this is the part as a bills fan and as a content creator and i know you get it griff because this is what you do as well I make these cases and I and I make these arguments about how the Bills are struggling, they're not good, they're Josh is apprehensive and he's tentative and he's lost his confidence and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, they're averaging 29 points a game. And it's like, wait a second. How are they averaging 20 like even in the bad stretch, they're averaging 29 points a game when the offense looks like a shell of itself. And it's just like I don't know. I don't know. I don't to be honest with you, bro, I don't know what to expect. That's why I say tomorrow night. Like, I, like I'm going to say this from my perspective. I don't expect like what we saw in the playoffs. I don't expect like to see it. Like, I don't. I, I don't expect I don't that. I don't either. I don't. I don't expect a no punt game. I'm not expecting that. Yeah. Well, like when I say low scoring, I mean like 
I could see something like what what you guys went through last week. Like I think it was twenty eight to twenty five or something like that. Ridiculous! That yeah. the offense was awful on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, from great last year in New Orleans, to awful in Detroit. Right. Um, but that's where I look at it. Where I can see, but at the end of the day, still, when I I'm not saying defensive ground, offensive ground and pound, where like Stevenson or Singletary are gonna have to go out there and just be Bo Jackson or Marcus Allen. Right. No, right. like what Josh right. Jacobs did last week. No, I'm not right. saying that. I'm just saying in the sense I can see the defense is making a few plays here and there. Our line looking good this year. You guys are getting healthier on the line. Obviously, Miller's gone, but I know, I believe Rousseau and Espinessa are Espinessa, Rousseau, yep. Mitch Morse is back. Yes, all three of those guys are back. Yep. Yep. Um, AJ Klein looked really good last week against Detroit as well. He made yep. a couple plays here and there. That's where I mean it like that. Like I can see the defense kind of like, you know, what kind of grinding it down mm-hmm. to where then, you know, it comes down to. Hey, is Josh Allen going to do what he did last week? Because we expect it. Or, and I'll say this, tomorrow could be a potential coming out party for Mac in the sense of, you know what, when the pressure is on, mm-hmm. you can go out there and get it done. That's that's the question. I mean, you're yeah. talking about a quarterback in Mac Jones who has had flashes at times, um, has the tendency to be uh, erratic at times as well, and has been benched, right, for uh, Bailey Zappi. Even it was the Bears game and Bailey Zappi in a game that a god awful Bears team. And I know you don't want to talk about it, so we're not going to go down that road. But a god awful Bears team that's awful without just, yeah. even worse without Justin Fields. But Justin Fields played in that game. Mac Jones couldn't even complete a pass. Bailey Bailey Zappi comes out and it's like, and literally I was like, you're kidding me right now, right? Like this kid is he really good? Because to, I didn't, as I'm watching Mac Jones in that game, I'm like, surely it's not Mac. Mac isn't the problem. Like, they're just not executing. Meanwhile, they, they throw Bailey Zappi in there, and it's like, oh, completion, 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 touchdown. It's like, uh, uh, okay. And so coming out party is a big word. Um, I think, I don't want to say Mac has arrived, right? I, I don't think it's a situation of arrived, but I don't think he's that far away. I think he's a couple games from solidifying himself as potentially the guy that's going to be there, but maybe you can answer that better. The guy that's going to be there for the next four or five years, he's going to get a second contract in my opinion, but maybe you guys don't feel that way. It would be a surprise to me if you didn't. I look at the, I look, so I look at the Bailey Zappi situation as he's a backup that when you need, when you need him or when you can call upon him, spark. he's, he's a spark that can answer and you trust him. I think yes. in the NFL, you need a trustworthy backup. You guys with Case Keenum yep. and now us with Bailey. Someone you can go and rely on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Something in my throat. Um, yes. When it comes to Mac, coming up party, you know what? Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a more – it's a big boy word. Yeah. I think tomorrow night he can get a badge of respect. You know, if he, he goes out there and makes a play. He would have to come out and carve up the Bills defense. Like oh, they, I, would have, they would have to wax the Bills. Oh, I, I don't mean respect from the Bills. I mean, like, you know, no, the, national- I mean the national media. Like, they, oh. if they came out tomorrow and he's picking number 28 of 34 for 340 yards with three touchdowns and they beat the Bills 32 to 10, the, we are lauding Mac Jones. Oh, my gosh. He played a perfect game against Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen looked like crap and blah, 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 blah. That's what would I – if it's 16 to 10 oh, or 16 yeah. 13 – I don't know that they're. I don't know that it's a coming up party for Mac Jones. <laughs> that's that's where I said come, that's where I'm gonna like pull. I'm gonna pull the gears back on the coming out party aspect. Oh, and you, like when you. I say respect, I mean in the sense of you know what, where they kind of everyone can kind of see where it's like, hey, maybe he's got something. Kind of like at the way how some people looked at Josh towards the end of yeah. 2019. You know where you're like, he has he has the it. It's yeah. just when is it going to be? When when does the it coming out party truly truly happen? With, yeah. Like what we saw where Mac right now towards the end of his second year is going to make the third year is, is he going to make that leap? Like for everyone already telling me like, Oh, you know, he may not be the guy. I always say this. I wait till the third year to truly make yeah. a judgment on a quarterback. And a lot of people did that. We saw it with Josh. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it with Tua right now. We're seeing it with Hertz. We're seeing Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts. You want to talk about a coming out party? That kid looks unbelievable. Like I started the season, like I'm not a believer in Jalen Hurts, and who is Trey Lance? And I still don't know who Trey Lance is, but Jalen Hurts is the guy. Like that dude is good. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about Trey Lance in San Francisco. Uh, that's the team from the NFC. I'll say this. I I, I really like that team to get to the really Super with Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, though. When your defense is that good, you the can deep, get average play. It's like the. 
2015 Broncos, if you remember that team. Yeah, but well. the defense is good, but that defense isn't much different than when I mean Robert Sala was the, the defensive coordinator when Josh went out there and just Oh, I remember that game. Destroyed him. Like and that uh, was Cole really Yes, uh, he had a good game. I think Gabe Davis had a good game, but that was a jo- that was almost Josh's coming out party as far as that goes. Not that he hasn't had a couple already. The, the The Niners are an interesting team to me because there's games where I've seen Garoppolo not be able to complete a pass. Yeah. It's like what is going on right now? And then there's other times you're like, oh, that team's for real. So I, it's it's been a weird year, bro. The whole yeah. year has been weird. Like I still don't know what's like the like when I say two with them Super Bowl, I just mean in the sense of like you know if Jimmy Garoppolo can go out there and play and not screw it up enough, not hurt him, right? You 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 don't hurt him. He can go out there, do what he's told, and you know what the defense can go out there and you don't yep. have to worry about it. That's yep. more or less what I mean. If Jimmy can not you know fall on his own face or step trip over his own feet, he can go out there and he can do that. Yeah. Um, I want to. I was gonna do this where basically, you know, we could do this the normal way, where I say, "Hey, what do the Patriots need to do to beat the Bills?" and you say the Bills to beat the Patriots. But I want to do a little role play reversal where All right. you give me the path keys to victory. But first, before I start off, and I want to start off because I want to say what I think Buffalo needs to do sure. keys to victory, and you can also give me concerns. And the first one before I go down any rabbit holes, I think the Deion Dawkins absence is going to have more of an impact than the Von Miller one potentially. 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 I just say that because I know from experience offensive lines. So when I look at Buffalo, I don't look at like, you know, how everyone says like, oh, Diggs can go out there and have a big game. I think you need like how Isaiah McKenzie was ripping it off. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, a guy who's pestered the Patriots the past couple times. Yep. They played them. You line him up on the right, you line him up on the left. He gets the ball and he just flies. I think if you, if you guys are going to win tomorrow night, I think someone like him or Davis is going to have to have a big game. Mm-hmm. I look at a way too for where the – I, I can't say anything about the Patriots receivers because, look, we don't have that guy. We don't have that force to cover. Devontae Parker has traditionally eaten the Bills up. That doesn't mean the Bill, the, the Dolphins ever beat the Bills, but tradition he gets he he was about a hundred yards receiving every game he played the Buffalo Bills. Every time. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But um when I look at two with Buffalo, I think if you want to win. I think you got to get the run game going and you have to have Josh Allen more than complete his passes. If he's going to run, he's got to be able to read the Patriots safeties like a book. If he can do that, because I know Kyle Duggar, Jabril Peppers, those are going to be the guys that are going to be spying him all night long. Those are going to be the guys trying to avoid. And the other one I'll give too is because this happened last week. I think we need a Daw- I think you guys, if you want to win, need a Dawson Knox game. I think Dawson Knox has to have a game. Someone who's been relatively I don't want to say quiet, but yeah. he hasn't been. I know, obviously, he, there's a lot off field that he's been going through this year. I just kinda, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that. But I just – you haven't seen much of him where he's like, you know, he's made some plays here and there, but I don't think he's had – or you can correct me if I'm wrong. He hasn't had that game, you know, where it's like he's we won the game a, because of Dawson Knox. He's been on a milk carton. Easiest way to say it. He's been on a milk carton, especially after signing a $14 million a year contract with the Buffalo Bills extension. Um, I, th- I think you're, you're, where you're coming from isn't necessarily off. I just don't know how much confidence I would have in it because the Bills have been reading. Josh Allen has been reading the, the Patriots' safeties like a book. Um, Josh has been beating the Patriots without the run game. So to me, if anything, Bill Belichick wants to come out and, and shut Josh down. I don't know if he can or not, but we'll see. As far as the Patriots beating the Bills to, to, to play my side of the role – the big thing for me, and it's funny because there's conversation going on on Twitter right now about how Bill's Mafia, you know, doesn't respect this or that, and like Matthew Judon, and we we just love to hate. And it's like actually most of Bill's Mafia wanted Matthew Judon. Like Matthew Judon is a great freaking football player who would, and we, and he's a four three defensive end. We run a four three. He would fit amazingly well, and would have if we had gotten him. He never considered it. He went to the Patriots. He like didn't even look at us as far as that goes. However, last year in the three games the Bills played against the Patriots and Judon had COVID in one of those games, Judon didn't show up. Like Literally, aside from trying to trip Josh Allen as he was going by, most of the time it was Josh was by him and he was like, oh, he's gone. So for me, the key to this football game and the, the potential game wrecker is Matthew Judon losing his mind in this football game, which comes down to that offensive line piece that you talked about. Now, 
my understanding is is Judon's going to come from the right side. He's going to come from the, from the from the weak side. He's going to come from uh from Spencer Brown's side, yes. not from Deion Dawkins' side. No, Deion Dawkins, however, being out is a problem. It's he's a Pro Bowl right left tackle franchise left tackle. He's not Jason Peters, but he's he's not the worst left tackle. He's not Bobby Hart, who's also on our football team. But you know, when you look at David Quesenberry, David Quesenberry is a is a swing tackle that played with the Titans for a long time, and he's no slouch. So, um, is it is it a step down? Yes, but to me, Judon is the big piece. Judon, believe it or not, and the guy that scares me the most and has since there's just something about the freaking Patriots. Whether it's Ben Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, and I remember the first game that he freaking played against us as a rookie. You guys opened the season against us and that dude, and he trucked us. Is literally, uh, uh, and his name is now escaping me. Um, running back that you have now, Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson, yeah, that dude is just every game he's played against the Bills. It seemed like he was not every game, several games he's played against the Bills. It seemed like he was just on the cusp of like taking the game over physically, and then Belichick put the other guy in, and it was like, thank you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like it, does. It, seems, it seems like he would get the defense tilting and then they'd bring in James White or Damian Harris. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Take that guy out. Please take that guy out. With no Damian. I know Damian Harris had the huge run last year against you guys in the in the snow globe game. Yep. But he's not playing tomorrow night. I think it's going to be Ramondre. Kevin yep. Harris probably will get activated. We'll see about J.J. Taylor, too. Um, and that's why we do this, just so we can both read off each other with the Bills. I'm not saying Josh has to. I'm just saying that's something I feel like yeah. if the Patriots can read Josh Allen, they'll beat him. But at the same time, too, more like how I was saying defensive earlier, this is also going to come down to which quarterback makes the mistake. That's where I feel like the offensive line woes come into effect yeah. because you guys without Dawkins, the Patriots without uh, Isaiah Wynn. We'll see about David Andrews if he plays, but it's sounding like he's going to give it a go tomorrow night. I agree with Judon, who ironically, his last two seasons have ended at the hands of the Buffalo Bills. Right. It was a little timid note. Uh, literally on the same day, a year apart, January 15th last really? year, January 16th, the year before. Look it up. Because remember, who'd you beat in the divisional round two years ago? The Ravens. Brains, the, Ra- uh, the Ravens. That's right. That's right. Matthew Jones was the Ravens. Yep. Taron Johnson had a pick six. Taron Johnson had a pick six. And then uh, and then uh, Lamar went out. He got, had the concussion. Yep. Yep. Lamar had the concussion. That was the night that I got COVID. Ah, oh, lovely. <laughs> I got it the night before the draft this year. So gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So that, and then last year, obviously there was the forty-seven to seventeen game. So yep. Matthew Judon's season had been ended at the hands of the Bills. I know there's the fun going back. There's the tweets with you about him with free agency. There's also was, I can't believe you responded to me with that. Like there was the whole when that and I and I retweeted it today just because it was fun. And if he sees it and people are like, oh, my God, you're going to give him fuel. He's trying to recruit people, which is what you do. And it's like, why can't I get people to come to to, to, to New England? And you're just being a funny guy. And it, the, the, the gift was perfect. And it was against it was that game. Right. It was that January playoff game where Josh Allen just lost his mind against the Patriots. And it's like, that's why that dude right there yeah. is why. And he's like, what did I do to deserve to deserve this? And it was just it was a great yeah little thing. But sorry. Side note. No, I know that's all good. That's where I look at it, where it's just like it was like a little funny thing. And I know right. I, 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 that at time in March, I saw you doing it. I saw, well, I mean, Sal, I, Capaccio, Capaccio. Um, he made, I think, more of like a dig shot where it came to the whole Tom Brady and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, where you were just having fun with it. That's where I like to see it, where it's the, and I'll also say this too, out of all the Bills fans, I've seen more Bills fans take shots than you. Um, <laughs> Like this week, uh, Mr. <laughs> Greg, you didn't have to say that we were going to get Molly Wapton in our nice uniforms. Gosh. <laughs> Greg Thompson. He's been on here before. The one show you weren't able to do, I made a DM out, and Greg came in and filled the job. So, yep. Yeah, and uh, just a little sidebar note, folks, he might be coming back on in a couple weeks. Greg's um, a good dude. Greg's a good dude. Yeah. Greg is a good dude. He knows a lot about the game, too. No, it's smart dude. Very, yeah. way smarter than me. <laughs> but that's the th- that's the thing, though, and that's the thing you and I have kind of learned from when it comes to creating content like this, where there's going to be people who come out of nowhere and take shots. And also, I'm going to say this for right now, for all the Patriots fans out, fans that say, like, oh, hey, we're better than Buffalo, this, this, this. No, no, no. I think it's just them painting a facade. We know at the end of the day, look, it's your time. Mm. You guys are the kings of the division. For us, we like if you were to tell me right now, 
six and five at this point of the season. Yeah, sure. It kind of sucks that tomorrow night is a considered a must win game, mm-hmm. but the Patriots are where I thought they would be back in say April or May. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, when I looked at this year, I still thought the jets were going to be at the bottom of the division and it's not too late for them still to be at the bottom of the division with the decent record. Um, I didn't know necessarily what to expect from the Patriots. The Patriots, I, I, on my shows, I call the Patriots and have for, I think, a year and a half now, the annoying nephew at, at Christmas that just like they just won't go away. They won't leave you alone. They're like, you got your plate of food and they're hiding around the corner and they jump out and scare you and you spill your plate. Like they're just the annoying little nephew that just won't go away. The Bills being the kings of the division, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to me what the Dolphins are doing. As much as the Bills had the Dolphins on the ropes in Miami in that crazy heat, there's something to be said for what they're putting together. And and basically, if the, if the Dolphins make it through the Bills at home in Buffalo, if they make it through Cincinnati, if they make it through the 49ers, there's an aspect that you and me and all Bills fans and Patriots fans have to say they earned this. Like they legitimate, if there's four games on their schedule, Bills, Niners, Bengals, Chargers, if they make it through those four games and win all of them or win three of the four of them and they end up at first place in the AFC East, there's an aspect of it's like, oh, yep, they did it. Like they, they at 1000% earned it because the Bills are on their heels. Now, this is a weird weekend because if the Bills win right now, the Bills are in second place in the AFC East, have a tied record with the Dolphins and they're fifth in the AFC, which is weird. Like they're behind all the division leaders and they're fifth. If they win this weekend, the Dolphins lose to the 49ers and the Chiefs lose to the Bengals. They're number one in the AFC East. They're number one in the AFC. Super weird. What a weird flip, right? Super, super weird. And I'll be honest with you. If the Bills, if all of those things happen and the Bills come out sluggish and sideways and can't get out of their own way and we'll just use the number 29 because that's what they're averaging and they beat the Patriots 29 to 26 I don't know how happy I'm going to be if all of those things happen and they do a 47 to 17 or 45 to 17 I'll be like we're back baby like we are the kings of the AFC East to your point but right now there's an aspect of like it's it might be in the air it might be up for grabs right now it could be. Um, I think with the Jets, we're going to find out this weekend who they truly are. If they go out there and they get whomped or if they get stomped on by the Vikings. Do you believe in Mike White? No. Mike White, did this, Mike White, he did this last year. So whether it's the Vikings or the Bills defense next week, they're going to expose him. Yeah. Like, I know, like, I had a Jets fan basically come to me and basically should have say, I said for next week, I thought for sure next week's game would not get flexed. That you're not going to take the golden boy. They tried to. They tried to flex it, and CBS said no. No, I meant, oh, CBS said no to you guys. The C, no, CBS said, so they, so they tried to flex it to the Sunday night game, and CBS said no. We They had the ability to, I guess, the right to keep a game, and so they wanted that game, uh, Sunday night football did, and CBS said no, we're going to keep the Jets and Bills. So then that means, I'm so I'm right, we're probably going to be Jim and Tony calling that game next Sunday then. I probably. know you'll, you'll, you'll be there, but I, I have a feeling if they're keeping that, that's why. Yeah. I only said that I was shocked that the Chiefs and the, the Broncos, for as much as well, no one goes to their the birthday parties or how bad the Broncos have been. I thought for sure, you know what, Patrick Mahomes is going to stay in prime time because it's Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. They proved me wrong by putting Dolphins and Chargers in there. Which, if you think the NFL is a league of overreactions, whoever loses is going to get buried into a six foot <laughs> grave after that game with overreactions. You know. Oh, the Dolphin season's over. Oh, the Chargers season is over. For sure. This, 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 this. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. But then with you guys, so I didn't realize with that, that, hey, they protected you. Yep. But um, the one thing I've always said, though, is I see you guys week 15, though, hosting the Saturday night 8.30 game. I guess we are. It is hosting. We are. So the question is, is when? Is it going to be a Saturday night primetime game? Is it going to be a Sunday 1 o'clock game? And that's the question that remains. Um, and I don't honestly know when they're going to, when, when it will be. Um, or Saturday at 4.30, potentially, but I so, feel like... Saturday at 4.30 is possible, yep. Yeah, because I know you guys were one of the five. I just see that game being that spot. But the other thing, too, I want to go back to the Jets quickly. Yeah. I just think that if you... Say if they get walked by the Vikings or the Bills, it doesn't matter who. I feel like they're going to come back to earth, and they're going to crash. They're going to crash eventually, and I think that it will end up being the... 
it'll be the uh, Jets finishing fourth, the Patriots finishing third regardless. So I think yeah. that's what's going to end up happening because I think, you know what, more than our loss to the Bears, the Jets' two losses to the Patriots are going to hurt them more when it comes to because, like I said, divisional football is what matters the most. Mm-hmm. And if you have to go back to Zach Wilson, that's where, you know what, I agreed with them putting Mac back and just sticking to Mac going forward after the Bears mm-hmm. game because, you know what, hey, we trust our quarterback. And to think if Zach Wilson had said, yes, I screwed up, he'd still be playing. Meanwhile, he said, no, there's an accountability issue, and the Jets are kind of – I think they're just kind of – they're falling backwards. And also the fact, too, that they pay – they still have to play Miami. They still have to go to – they have to go to Miami. They have to go to you. And yep. they have to play a Minnesota team who pretty much, you know what, for now – looks really really good so yeah. we'll just say that but then when it comes down to the rest of our division i still think at the end of the day you guys will find a way you'll get there who knows i i still have a feeling you guys are going to have that game you know what like last year that's what i that's why last year's wild card game i was never mad at i always said hey whoever played i'll stay by this the we are whoever said that we are the champions whoever played that after the win don't ever do that again. <laughs> that was the Bills, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever does the audio on the Bills, don't ever do that again. Never do that again. <laughs> and the other one is, and I want to give you a tip of advice of what I do as well when it comes to expectations. Yeah. Do not buy merchandise that says division champs or conference champs. <laughs> don't do it. I know it looks cool and it's flashy and you hey, you're happy to be here. But there's got to be a point where I look at myself and I say, I do not want to buy anything, whether it be a hat, whether it be a t-shirt until it says champion on it i've got That's, my i've got my afc East champion hat over here from it's it's on the it's over across the room from last year it doesn't have the year on it it's like what is the point of this hat if it doesn't have the year on it it almost doesn't mean anything but no your point is well stated as far as that goes i don't know what to make of the jets um the jets are the jets are the jets at the end of the day and as much as robert Sala is keeping receipts you know you still have a problem at quarterback in, in my opinion right um, Sauce Gardner looks like the real deal. Quinn, you know, uh, Quinn Williams, right, is uh, is unbelievable. Um, they've got some good pieces, but I can't foresee a division where two upstart teams happen in the same division, being the Dolphins and the Jets. Like, it, it can't happen to two teams. Like, the Dolphins have made a huge jump. I can't see the Dolphins and the Jets making a huge jump. The Bills' destiny is in front of them. I mean, if they win, it's one game at a time. And if they take care of the business that they need to take care of, then they could potentially do what they need to do. The good news is, is in 2020, they won an, went on an eight-game or seven-game win streak to, to finish the season. Uh, I think they went on a seven-and-one or six-and-one game winning streak last year to finish the season. So this isn't – they, they seem to get hot at the right time. Uh, so everything is in front of them. They've just got to figure out a couple bugaboos, which it seems like they might be working towards. But uh, I appreciate your confidence. Um, to me, I just see a team that's struggling, and there's a little bit of a book out on them right now. The, there was a defensive book on them. They got solved. The Bills basically began, like they fixed the defensive problem, and there's still a little bit of an offensive book on them, which is basically – bracket Stefan Diggs and put your best guy on Gabe Davis and you're going to, you're going to shut the team down because nobody else can get open. It's effectively with her. And that gets back to the original conversation we were having about Cole Beasley, John Brown, OBJ, and somebody getting open to pull those safeties down, right. To open up the field. But yeah, that's where I look at it too, where, Hey, you know, if John Brown comes out there tomorrow night and has a game where I know he has a, then he has like a touchdown dance where he kind of like puts his hands up and does like a bunch of stuff like that. If you see that tomorrow night, I think too, that kind of takes away the pressure of, Hey, you, you don't exactly have to go after OBJ because right. I know I have my friend Ray Rout always say this too, and he's in agreement. I'm in agreement to this too. Is Paige Jordan Poyer, which I know you say Triple B finds a way to get things done, but we'll see if it happens this off season in Buffalo because, like you say, that's what they want to ask you as well. Is it still wildest dreamsland, or is it kind of? Uh, Okay, the dream's over. We gotta the dream. Down. The dream's not over. It's just uh, we we you're in the middle of the dream and you've kind of woken up, right? Mm. And it's like I gotta fall back asleep so the dream continues. Uh, wildest dreams land. I have not chirped that a whole lot. There are T-shirts available for any Patriots fans that want one. Uh, hashtag wildest dreams land with Josh Allen's picture on it. You can get them at buffonweck.com. Um, but uh, it's uh, the dream is definitely not over. There's just an aspect of like. It's just a little bit of like, oh, uh, this isn't the dream. <laughs> like the dream. Not that the dream's a nightmare. We're eight and three, but the dream is looking a little different than maybe it looked before. Uh, in regards to Jordan Poyer, the issue that the Bills have, you know, and the Bills are in that space of 
think of those franchises. It, it's not the Patriots. The Patriots have always been very good about releasing and moving on from guys, Chandler Jones, and guys, like before it became a problem. Lawyer Malloy con- before the contracts got too big. Um, the Bills are they're an amazing drafting football team. Right. So we've got Ed Oliver. They just signed Dawson Knox. They've got Ed Oliver coming up. They've got Tremaine Edmonds, Edmonds first, Oliver second. Um, you know, obviously Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde's under contract for one more year after this year. It's not about not wanting Jordan Poyer. It's more about who gets kept and who doesn't. And then you sign Von Miller to a six year, $120 million contract or whatever it was. And it, it, it puts you in a situation where you maybe can't keep a guy. I mean, Dawson Knox is on a big contract. And the question, freaking Stefan Diggs just signed a $90 million contract. Like the bills are spending money like crazy, but it's not irresponsible money. So it's not what Sean Payton did in new Orleans and then dipped. Right. So he puts his team in salary cap hell. And then, very soon. Right. And then Sean McVay is doing the exact same thing. So he's done it. And there was reports or there are reports that he was going to retire after the super bowl, dip out, take a year off or two years off and then come back. And now he's regretting it. And he's going to retire after this year and do the same thing. So I've destroyed my team's future right because i want to win so bad and i'm just gonna sail off into never never land and then come back to another team later and do the same thing so the bills aren't irresponsible which is why the jordan poyer conversation is so big so the question you have to ask yourself griff is do you keep a guy that's 32 33 years old very good safety in the league or do you keep ed oliver and tremaine edmonds because literally it's a three-man enter two-man leave situation who are you keeping out of those three guys I'm going to go with the guy who just won an AFC Defensive Player of the Week. That's Ed Oliver. Exactly. You're going to keep Edmonds. Um, and Edmonds. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to go with the younger because, too, safety and cornerback is a position where, guess what? It's like receiver. There's a new crop of kids coming up in the draft this year. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to come in and be as good as Jordan Poyer, but, you know, you eventually you have your guys – Dane Jackson, I'm I'm really happy to see him back in the field after his scary incident in yeah, the home yeah, opener. For sure. Um Kyler Elam shown flashes too so far. Of- Christian Benford is a six-round draft pick, and he's been playing. The Bills played with freaking uh Levi Wallace for three years, and he was an undrafted free agent or undrafted uh rookie that came to the Bills. Like the Bills, yes, to your point. So yes. Good good teams know how good GMs know how to spend money. Yep. Great GMs know how to draft well. That's why whenever people kind of – I think that's like why Belichick was able to get – not get away with stuff, but why Belichick was able to be so successful for so long is because he could just go find these just diamonds in the rough, develop them, draft them, and then eventually, you know what? Hey, when it's time to go, he knew who to keep and he knew who to get rid of. Hell, he knew to get rid of Lawyer Malloy, who was a captain, who was an anchor of the team for years, got rid of him because he fell in love with Rodney Harrison. Same thing at running back position in New England, too. That's where it just it comes. That's where with Buffalo, mm-hmm. the better you get at drafting and the yep. more just hidden talent you find, yep. the better you get. Because, folks, I've, I've been preaching this for years. The draft is not one on Thursday night. You win mm-hmm. the draft on Friday night, and you win the draft on Saturday afternoon. If those picks turn into bona fide stars, like you said, look at Christian Benford, sixth-round draft pick. Ramondre Stevenson for us. Fourth round draft pick. Yep. Yep. You look at those. Uh, Jacoby Myers, our best receiver, undrafted free agent. Yep. You look at those players, and if they're the ones to contribute to your teams more than your first, say if your first round draft pick fizzles out, yeah, it looks bad. But yep. at the same time, too, you get those later day guys that shine. It's I'm big. sorry, but that's what's going to help you win football games. That's where the whole, that's why when the Rams are doing them F them picks mantra. I did not buy into it for a single second because I'm like, you know what? One day, some it's like when you go out with your friends. Someone's got to pay the bill eventually, and you know what? Point. Some point you got to pay the bill. Or you can go to your favorite spot, continue just to you know what? Hey, get the things that may not be as well known, but you know what? Gets the job done. Yep, yep, yep. For sure, for sure. That's what we look at for both our teams. And also, before we go, I could honestly ask you for a prediction, but I feel like we know. Hey. I think you know who's going to win. I think you know who I think is going to win. We obviously both know we we both know the Patriots are going to win tomorrow night. So it's to settle that. I'm just kidding. For for you folks out there looking at me right now, like what the hell is wrong with this guy? It's all in good fun. It's all in good nature. This is the closest I've done a podcast to a game because it's Thursday. But then after this, for the second Sunday in a row, you and I get to sit back, 
Watch Red Zone with Scott Hansen. That's an elite Sunday right there, bro. That's an elite Sunday. I get three of them in a row. Because yeah, it, next week we play on Monday night against the Cardinals. <laughs> Especially if you've got a W in the bag. When you get a W in the bag and you're watching football on Sunday, it's like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> just get the – especially when you're in that last five minutes of the 1 o'clock games. Like, when, like, things are just going crazy. <laughs> like, it's amazing. But uh, score prediction for me, you know, I if I had – I think I gave a score prediction. I was on a show – oh, was it Monday? It was possibly Monday. And I think I said something like 27 to – 21 or something like that i think i had the bills within a possession uh so the bills winning but within a possession it'll be interesting to see i don't know i honest to god griff don't know what to expect i the, they could come out and they could gut this thing out like they did against the lions like they did against the browns and escape because that's how it felt against the lions you look at josh allen and stefan Diggs embrace at the end of that game and you're like those boys just escaped they escaped detroit with a w yeah i think i feel like they could do that and the reality is, is they've still punted less than any other team in the NFL. And they could come out and do that and like and and put 40 on you. I I, I don't know what to I expect the W, but I don't know necessarily what the score's gonna be. So I'm gonna play it safe and say like 27-21. That's probably where I'm at. I'm gonna go with a W, but I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow night. If I had to say a score, I'm gonna say 24 to 20. I think that at the end of the day, I can see similar to last year in the sense of it's 24 to 20. Josh Allen's leading the downfield, but then like in the Minnesota game, he just throws an interception. Like, yeah, that's not it. happening again. That's not happening again. The brace is off. The brace no, is I, off. I'm not saying like what happened to Patrick Peterson. I'm just saying like what happened in the Pats game last year in Buffalo where he threw that pick. Or it was either a pick or an incompletion to end the game. I think it was an incompletion though. On fourth. I think it was a fourth end incompletion and Miles Bryant tipped the pass or something like that. I'm trying to remember what happened. It was just. I just remember it ended in a Bills W. No, I'm talking about, oh, you're the, talking about the win game. You're talking about the win game. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm talking about the win game. That was a freak game, bro. Come on. Yeah. You guys ran the ball 13 times straight. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying in the similar sense, you know how Josh Allen still was going down the field, marching down the field yeah, to yeah, win yeah. the game towards the end. Yeah. I can see something similar to that happening where you know what? It's about which offense just just a little bit more reality. Yeah. When you ask me, and if I was a partisan outside fan, obviously you're gonna go with Josh Allen, but from the fandom perspective in me, going to ride with my boys. That's all I'm going to say. And also because tomorrow night pretty much is a yeah. game where if we do lose, we're playing January football in December. Yeah, the, the right. And the, the big the big thing about Josh Allen is the brace is off. And people are, don't even realize he was wearing a brace. But if there's there's a couple shots. If you go back to the last couple games, you can see inside of his white shirt that he's got a, he's got a, a brace just across his forearm from the elbow injury. And, and supposedly it was reported – that he was throwing with an Ian Preed sleeve. So if the brace is off, he's not going to underthrow a guy by five yards, 20 yards downfield again. That's just not going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. Like I meant, like when I spent, when I said the Patrick Peterson thing, I don't mean the exact same throw. I yeah. just mean like the play, the play wise. Like we're back. But at, then again, at the risk of extending the show, the funniest part about that is even Bills fans were, were angry at Josh. I was at that game and they're angry at Josh about that throw. Like it was such a poor decision. And, like, when you watch it back, I, the first time I watched it back on my television, I was like, that wasn't a poor decision at all. That, like, Gabe was open. If he leads Gabe to the post, that's a touchdown. And people are, and, and when I, and I put that on Twitter, that, like, that's a touchdown pass if he leads Gabe. And then people are like, oh, he can't even make that throw. Nobody can make that throw. And it's like, we've seen him make that exact same throw several times. He made one to Kumaro. He made one to Gabe in preseason against the Packers. I think from farther away, like, Bills fans get weird. I don't know if Patriots fans get that way, but Bills fans get weird at times. It's like, that's the worst decision ever. It's like, actually, no, it was a great decision. He just underthrew the ball by about six yards because he's wearing a brace on his arm. But I digress. It's More or the less, with the, that's what the Patriots fans that like I mainly associate myself with are the ones who see it through the realistic perspective in the sense that I truly know that tomorrow night, we just cannot afford to shoot ourselves in the foot. I could come on same, here and... Same. And I can, yeah, so I think that's what it's about. Whichever quarterback doesn't shoot himself in the foot. And also before we end, I'm going to say this. You've said to me that Mac Jones is the worst crying face or his faces are bad. <laughs> Sam Ellinger's are worse. I don't know, and, dude. I don't know how any, if, if you were, if you were a six foot six, 290 pound offensive alpha male, like playing <laughs> in the NFL and like your quarterback is making some of the faces that he's making coming off the field, being carried off because of a twisted ankle. At some point you're like, that dude's a giant baby. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's a, he's a giant baby. Like football players get hurt and they get up and like, I'm all right. And then they like limp off the field. That's what they're not like. Dude, come on, bro. It's, I know. Come I on. Know. Concede on this one. He's got the worst. Sam, Sam, Sam Ellinger is up there, though. I saw it during that Colts game. That's the thing I'll say. The game that got him fired. That's what I will say. That's what I'll say. You might be right. Yeah. But, um, but no, basically with this game, like, look, I, like what I was going to say before is I could vent and bitch about Alex Kemp and the missed call last week. But yeah. you yeah. know what? Tomorrow night, I get to do a few things. One, I get to watch my guys in their throwbacks. Yep. I get to listen to Kirk Herbstreet called. An I wish you would go back to those, by the way. I do too, but I don't want to like you know how they say it. You don't want to ruin a good thing. That's how well, I look at it. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I totally get that. I just don't like the flying Elvis. I I love the old Patriots jerseys. The red is great. The white, the red on the white is great. There's nobody else that. I mean, I guess the Cardinals do the red and the white, but it's not the same. It just doesn't look the same. The Cardinals though will not change their uniforms. The only throwbacks I'm still excited about. Well, just announced on Sunday is Seattle's 1990s coming back. Uh, some people really? don't like those. I, I kind of like them. I like them. Yeah, the silver. Yeah, the, the Steve Largent era. The I Largen, yep, I got Largent's rookie card, so yep, know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, that one. The Eagles Kelly Green coming back next year. Yep, yep. Um, and I guess the only thing, well, I'd say you, you guys can't really make back retro because your retro is what you're wearing now. Uh, well, the retro is a standing buffalo. But True. at some point in time, there's an expectation the red helmets are going to come back in some version, whether it's a one game or two game or potentially permanently. We'll see. But yeah. The team up north, that they are bringing back the gulp head, and that's better because nothing is worse than the buffa slug. And <laughs> the only thing I want to ask you before we get out of here. <laughs> slug is awful. <laughs> quick stadium update. Is there anything else to report on it, or is it just kind of waiting to break ground probably in the spring? It looks like yeah, breaking ground in July, something like that. Oh. So June or July, they're looking to break ground. So the uh, all the uh, what you call it's the renderings have all come out and it's gorgeous. So it's everything that I would have hoped and expected um, as far as like it's modern looking. It's wild. I know you've been to the, I know you've been to the Ralph Highmark Stadium, and what people miss about the Ralph. So R- Ralph Stadium, Ralph Wilson Stadium, Rich Stadium, Highmark, whatever you want to call it, was built in '73, just like the Chiefs Arrowhead Stadium was. So they're very similar in design. The difference is, and I'll just give you a quick one, uh, the reason that that stadium couldn't be renovated is because, as you know, the lower bowl is completely in the ground. So they'd have to, like, tear down the upper decks, completely dig it out to, like, extend the concourse areas and everything else. It just was, it was impossible. So the new stadium is literally going to be, they're saying, 50 feet higher than the top of the current lights, like field lights, which is crazy to me because, like, the, the lights are obviously super high in the air, but it's, glass around it's got overhangs like they're like really kind of control the wind they're going to change the direction of the stadium to, to kind of control the weather um i my season tickets are in the front row of the of the upper deck so like i have the perfect seats so i'm excited about there being like i think there's three deck rows so i'll be able to pick if you will like a, a front row to sit in so i'm i'm excited about that because i hate sitting behind people and i hate being forced to stand up uh but uh yeah so i'm excited it looks good but yeah they're supposed to break around i think in july June oh, okay okay yeah. that's good to hear that's good to hear across the street from where the stadium is now across the street yep yeah so i just want to figure out like when i'm there like just how to get there um the only other thing i will say i will i'm not going to argue on it about who has a better drive to the stadium because oh i find God, dude. come on i kind of like the one thing i like with yours is how like when like i remember i i think it's i-90 south where basically if you split going towards i-90 west where you go where you're going towards erie I liked how you see the sign for the exit, but then you can see the lights shining from the highway. You can see the lights and like, you know, it's there and how it's kind of like this. And then it opens up. You'll see the stadium going forward. It'll be 50 feet higher than the lights. So like literally when you hit that road, you're going to be like, Oh, there's the stadium right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then with Gillette, it was different because the, the one, the, so I went there twice when I was there about a couple Mm -hmm. months ago. The first time we took a train because there's trains that run from downtown mm-hmm. Boston yep, yep, yep. to Foxborough. Foxborough Station literally is a two-minute walk, like five-minute walk from the stadium. Yeah. So it's kind of like with the pulling up on the train, then you walk under, and then everything kind of opens up to you. Yep. But I agree with you in the sense of Gillette Stadium as a whole Patriot place is perfect. Oh, it's gorgeous. And like yeah. literally, that's what New York State should do, and they won't do it because New York State is stupid. My point in that comment about the drive to the stadium was uh, who's the former quarterback that played? It's not Zerline. Who's the quor- the former quarterback? Zolak. Played? Zolak made a comment about it just being an 
like i don't know why people live in buffalo it's the most like dreary place ever like driving to the stadium is the worst thing i've ever seen and it's like bro have you driven from boston to foxborough because it's not great and it was just more it wasn't about the actual complex like patriot place complex is like everything that every nfl stadium should be shopping malls restaurants hotels everything around it and it's a destination right right and hospital and that whole idea of an outdoor mall which was actually started by les wexner who owned limited brands in columbus ohio at easton town place like that was kind of like where that whole thing was birthed that's what the that's what new york state should be doing they're not going to do that because they're stupid uh and they're idiots but that's like that part is great but the drive to the stadium i don't know that one's better than the other i mean it's and let's be honest, the, the Miami Hard Rock Stadium's in the middle is not in a great place either. I was going to say something bad, but no, it's, no. <laughs> like that's a horrible location. <laughs> I've been I've been to that stadium before, like before when it was like Sun Life Stadium and stuff like that. I know my dad went down there last year for the F1 race with Miami, and he was saying that yeah, the area surrounding the stadium is not nice. The yeah. area surrounding Orchard Park, it's very nice. There's a couple yeah. of small like small little restaurants there. I noticed. It's a suburb. It's a suburb. <laughs> both both are technically suburbs. It's just the only thing with Foxboroughs is. There's nothing around it. So if you get stuck on Route 1 leaving the game, right. you're in trouble. Meanwhile, right. with me, I'm not, I don't know if I've ever publicly admitted this on the podcast, but my fiance likes to out me for this. That basically I was like a kid when they leave Disneyland and they're on the monorail because I fell asleep on the train because I was just like overstimulated <laughs> the entire day. And I was like, just got like, yeah, there's a photo of me just like completely passed out and everything like that. So I got to live that out. But the way I look at both drives, I don't have a problem with either one. Either one was nice. The only problem I had last time when I was driving in Buffalo, the day you and I were supposed to meet up, but stuff got in the way. It's all good. We'll we'll do it one day. We'll, we'll make it happen. Is when I was driving on the highway towards the Key Bank Center, which, by the way, they actually have re-renovated re- that re- renovated that area perfectly. Is the sun that gets help. in your eyes? Still needs some help with the sun, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, it does need some help. Yeah, the Key Bank Center does need some help. Um, but I can't. It's more the arena than the area surrounding the arena. The area surrounding the arena. They managed. You're saying the sun, the sun was getting in your eyes. That you said. Yeah, that was the thing. Where the drive, like there, like it was like literally. I don't know why, but like some of the worst driving I've had with weather is in Buffalo. Like when I was down there last weekend, when you were in Tampa, it was like torrential rain on I-90, and then there was other times with wind and stuff like that, where it's just like this. Where I'm like, okay, do they know I'm here? And the other thing I'll say before we go is too is if I buy that house, when I. I looked up the photos of the house of the realtor you retweeted, and you're like, "Be my neighbor," and I'm going to be the one guy in the neighborhood flying this flag, and I'm going to get egged and, and like threats on my thing from the homeowners association every single day in East Hamburg. It's, it's actually not true. Bills fans are actually pretty gracious when it comes to that stuff. So there's mm. a, there's a lot of Patriots fans, just like there was a lot of Dolphins fans in the heyday in the '90s in Buffalo. There's a lot of Patriots fans in Buffalo now. So. Yeah, people people jump on bandwagons and they stay on them for life, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah. like who you like. It's okay to like whoever you want to like, right? I always say this. You can it's easy to be a fan of a team that's good. Mm-hmm. You earn your stripes when the team is struggling. Oh, that's when you earn your stripes. 17 years of it. <laughs> that that's why I know you got for as much as our teams don't like each other. That's where I can't take anything wrong because I know how much crap you guys have been through to stick with it. Mm. And now everyone's just waiting for us to go through that crap. But it's neither here nor there. That's that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It's always a fun conversation. Like I said before, <laughs> the golden voice of Buffalo. Enjoy it. We'll have to figure something else out. Um, I have a perfect title for this episode. It's going to be called The Annoying Nephew. <laughs> for anyone out there who wants to find Joe, at Joe Miller Wired, or Joe Miller, Joe Miller Wired on Twitter. Wired. Um, does a great job with everything. He he's works. He's a podcaster. He does guitar at church. He watches football. He does it all. He goes out for his family's birthday, his daughter's birthday, and then he goes to there. And sometimes you'll see him wearing shorts that are just a little too short. But you know what? That is okay by me. Hoochie daddy shorts. There is nothing wrong with a little hoochie daddy shorts. That is all. But anyway, guys, that is going to wrap it up for today. Now, next episode, on to our report with WEEI Patriots reporter Kyrie Thompson. Have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.